you. Thank you, Jason. And speaking of children, there they go. That's awesome. Speaking of children, I'm a child of God. Are you? I know, I know, I know most of you in this room are, and uh, that's an exciting thing that we're, we're children. You think about that, those of us who, are, who consider ourselves to be a little more mature. We're children through our faith in Jesus Christ's death on the cross for our sin debt. So it's amazing. That's my position. Is it yours? That's my standing before God. I'm his child when he sees me. That's, and, and God not only sees me as his child, but obviously that makes him my what? Yeah, he makes him my father. Um, and because God has forgiven me, forgiving others in this life is no longer an option for me. I don't get to choose. Um, my father forgives. So I, as his child, yeah, very good, forgive. Now, someone may have a comeback, and you've probably heard this, maybe you've used it yourself. Well, of course he can, and of course he does. He's God, and I'm not. <laughs> and some people use that as an excuse. Um, and while it's very, very true, you and I are not God. Uh, but He is your Father. Upon profession of your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, and He has adopted you into His family as His child. Um, and, and it's through the blood payment of the Son of God. And when you have such a holy, righteous Father who has graced you and showered you with forgiveness, don't you want to be like Him? I mean, that's kind of a rhetorical question. Um, shouldn't He influence your behavior as you walk with Him? Uh, and I don't know about you, but I just want to please God. I mean, when Ben was, uh, was, was talking uh, during the announcements and even in his prayers, just that, isn't it enough that we're just children of God? I mean, all the other blessings, you know, you wipe them aside, as wonderful as they are, just to be a child of God. And I want to be like Him. And while it's true that we are not gods, th that our sin nature still battles within us, how about you? Like, even this morning? Maybe? Yeah. As his children, we've been called to be like him. And uh, we've been called to be holy. Why? Because God is holy. 1 Peter 1.16, you shall be holy for I am holy. Can it get any clearer? We've been called to be loving. Why? Because God is love. And it's uh, 1 John 4. 7 and 8, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And then John goes on to say, God is love. We, we've been called to show mercy to each other. Why? Because God is merciful. Luke 6, 36, be merciful even as your Father is merciful. And God our Father has graciously provided each of us who knows Jesus Christ as our Savior the means to have this kind of victory in life right now. Um, victory over the sin nature that resides within us. What is it within me as a child of God that can give me the victory? 
And what is God in me called and described as by Jesus Christ on the night before he died and out through the New Testament letters? Very good, yeah. The Holy Spirit. We don't talk about the third person of the Godhood enough. And the Holy Spirit is right now, today, in each of us, transforming us more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And the calling of God goes on to include all kinds of other characteristics. I only just named three there, but the one we're going to look at today is forgiveness. It's huge. It's so big. And it's one of these characteristics. We are to forgive just like all the others. We are to love. We are to be holy. We are to show mercy. We are to forgive. Why do you think? Fill in the blank because God forgives. He's a forgiving God. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 of one of just dozens of verses. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Why? As God in Christ forgave you. Forgiveness has been described by some writers as a sacred duty that you and I have. It's demanded by Jesus in all of his teachings. It's reiterated by all the gospel-inspired writers of the New Testament. It's one of the central themes to our gospel message that God has left us, uh, a message to an already condemned world that desperately needs forgiveness, might not even realize it that, it that it needs that forgiveness, but it needs it. And it's being offered to our world through a gracious God, and many of us in this room have responded. And God enlightened us and showed us the truth. But you know, let's get practical. When it comes down to me, Peter Mannering, actually forgiving someone, you know, verbally, through my actions, all those things, someone who has um, done something wrong intentionally to me or, or to someone I love, well, all of a sudden that becomes personal. <laughs> Haven't you found that? It's like you can tell somebody else they should forgive, and then when it's your turn, it's like, yeah, but it's tough to do. It's not easy. Um, Jesus, I mean, actually, it's a clear example of how hard the path to walk is that Jesus told us we need to walk. And Jesus clarified this. He gave us full warning about the difficulties of following him on the path of salvation. He said it was narrow. He says it was less traveled. He says it was hard. <laughs> and what makes it all the more harder is because many of us in this room aren't often on the receiving end of what b biblical forgiveness is supposed to look like. Um, this side of God forgiving me, I don't have a whole lot, I don't have a whole bunch of human examples to draw on. And I'm always captivated. Are you? When, when, you, when you read a, or see on the news a news story um, of a person who stands up in a courtroom, and it's, it's usually during the sentencing of someone who has killed, murdered, someone they love and someone they care for, and, and they acknowledge the sentencing, 
as, uh, as just consequences for the action. But then they add this amazing statement. It always blows me away. But I forgive you. I want you to know I forgive you. It makes headline news in our world. It's not very common. It, it baffles so many people. And, and we say, how could they possibly do that? And then, of course, you ask, what? Could I do that if I was in their spot? And I don't think there's a Christian here today who would say that you're not supposed to forgive. Is there? Like, we're all on this page? I mean, it's pretty clear from the Bible. Um, no, we, we all know we must forgive. But I think many Christians in the church today would want to qualify it, right? We always go, yeah, here's what God said, but here's how we're going to practice it, right? We're, we're going to qualify it. Um, there are um, exceptions to whether I am going to forgive or not. And there may even be expectations that have to be met by the offender in order for me to forgive. They're spoken, they're unspoken. I'm sensing that in our world today there are many Christians who would give even, even more diverse answers to the question, can we forgive and forget? I mean, talk about making something hard even harder. So today, what we're going to do, like we've done for all of these myths, I've already kind of opened the bag there, right? It's a myth. Um, we're going to go to the Bible to get a biblical grounding, first about forgiveness. It's going to be a crash course in forgiveness, and then about forgetting. Forgiveness. Could you even, do you even remember the last time you really forgave someone and what it was for? We know God provides forgiveness, right? And He's done it in a number of ways. He, he, he provides our eternal salvation. We have been spared from the wrath that is coming. I will not face it because I've been forgiven. The debt isn't on my account, and it's through the blood of His Son's perfect sacrifice on the cross. God wipes out my sin debt. In the Old Testament, that was called forgiveness. No more debt. Forgiven my, my, my uh, debt payment, which was death. Hebrews captures it in chapter 9, verses 12 to 14, talking about Jesus Christ. He entered once for all into the holy places. These are the places in heaven. Not by the means of goats or calves or by, um, uh, but, but by His own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption for you and for me. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the sprinkling of defiled people with ashes from a heifer, if that sanctifies, as it did in the Old Testament, for the purification of the flesh, for the here and now, has to be repeated over and over again, but that's God's mandate, how much more will the blood of Jesus Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, the perfect sacrifice, how much more will Jesus' blood purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? New birth in Jesus Christ is once and for all. I'm forgiven. I'm redeemed. I am purified. 
And I'm not saying that tongue in cheek. <laughs> That's a fact. We also know, in addition to eternal salvation, that God continues to provide for our present sanctification. And He does it through the blood spilled on our behalf by His precious Son on the cross. There's ongoing forgiveness. And that's where 1 John 1.9 comes in. Uh, verses 7 to 9 I'm going to read. But if we walk in the light, so we are forgiving people, as He is in the light, a forgiving God, we have fellowship with one another. Hmm. Nice caveat. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us, but if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our journey through this life in, in being daily transformed into the image of Jesus Christ is ongoing. Are we there yet? All God's people said, no. And there's a need to repent there's a need to be forgiven and cleansed whenever you and I sin. And as we study the Bible and what it teaches regarding forgiveness, here's, here's another thing about God's forgiveness. It doesn't always remove all the earthly consequences. Have you noticed that? It doesn't always remove all the consequences of our disregard for God's boundaries that He set up. He said, don't do that, don't do that. You know what? You do it, this is what's going to happen. And it does. Can you repent and be forgiven? Yes. Do the consequences go away? Not always. Actually, they usually don't. And no, no story better illustrates that fact than King David in the Old Testament and his sin with Bathsheba. You remember? It's in 2 Samuel one uh, twenty, Adultery with a married woman resulting in a pregnancy and him murdering the husband to try to cover his sin. And in that chapter, chapter 12 of 2 Samuel, we get the inside story about sin and its ugliness. We get the inside story to forgiveness, but we're also left understanding that there are consequences when we sin, and we discover for David there's even generational consequences that go on, on and on through his bloodline. Forgiveness? Yeah, absolute. And out of David's bloodline, who comes? Jesus Christ. But there's a lot of messed up family in between. Forgiveness? Absolute. Consequences, yes. Here's another point as we develop a theology about forgiveness, because don't worry, we're going to get to forget, forgetting in just a second, but we've got to understand forgiveness before we even talk about that from a biblical standpoint. And it's found, this, this point is found in what some people see as one of the most frightening passages in the New Testament. And it shouldn't be, but they mis misunderstand it. It's what we, we went over it last um, year when we went through the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus speaking in Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. And Jesus says, if you forgive others, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Awesome. But 
if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is one of those verses that you'll never see on a t-shirt. <laughs> this, is, this isn't one of those ones you put on your morning mug of coffee, you know. People would see it go, what's the matter with you? It's not a popular verse because it digs deep into our hearts. It gets into the uncomfortable areas of our lives. And have you noticed that Jesus is really good at that? Exposing and then, of course, always healing. It deals with some of the difficult actions that God requires of you and I, His children. And Jesus teaches us here in this passage that if we're going to be recipients of God the Father's grace and mercy, then we are expected to show and to give grace and mercy to other people. It's not a condition for salvation. That's where the fear lies for so many people. It's not a condition for salvation because there are no works you and I could ever perform to merit God's forgiveness and His favor for, on our sin debt. There's nothing we can do. It's all God. But Jesus here has given us a challenge. It's a challenge that if you don't forgive other people or you're not willing to, it just might be living proof that you've never really experienced and received God's forgiveness yourself. How do you get to this kind of a place in your life with forgiveness? I'd like to suggest it's God's sanctification for each of us. God setting us apart and enabling us to become like our master. Even in this hard, very hard thing of forgiveness, the sanctification process that we're all being taken through as children of God is possible after trusting in the master's payment for our sin debt. There's an order here Forgiveness to others is dependent on what God has already done in you through salvation and what He's currently doing in you and through you in sanctification. Now, in an, even a more positive implication of what Jesus is teaching here in Matthew, and, and it, it's like this is the most practical way that you and I can show our world that we understand what the gospel message is by showing our world that we have been graced by God enough to be able to forgive others' trespasses that they have done against us and that we know how to forgive others and in what spirit to do it. So, can I forgive you when you mess me around? Of course, none of you ever, you ever never do that, but well, let's, let's pretend. Let's pretend Matt I always use Matt. Did you notice I always use Matt? Because I know he can take it. No. Let's pretend Matt does something. It's just like, oh, my goodness. And Karen elbows him. And it's like, well, can I forgive Matt? What do you think? Everybody's like, I don't know, Pete. It's kind of like. And it's Matt. And he's like, am I truly able to go before God before I confront, talk to somebody, and pray and pray for that person by name 
who has sinned, who has offended, who has just done me wrong. I'm not talking about what we always do, which is we pray to God and we inform Him of the trespasses of other people. Well, we're good at that. That's easy. Um, God, did you see that? (laughs) I'm God. (laughs) I kind of already knew it was going to happen. But, but I'm, I'm praying to God, and, and I'm asking Him, before I even offer forgiveness, that He would work on that individual. Why? So that they can come to a place of repentance, so that they can come to a place of being forgiven, so that they can come to a place of returning to enjoy all the blessings that are afforded to children who have confessed their sins before God and been cleansed a righteous cleansing. You're like, oh, but I'm so upset and angry, I can't pray that for something good for this individual. And not only that, but asking the Lord to grant you the power and the grace as He's transforming you through the Holy Spirit to be able to forgive that person yourself. And before we move on to forgetting, um, Let's be honest. I say this a lot. It's church, right? We've got to be honest. Let's be honest about our forgiveness, that a lot of our unforgiveness, some of our bitterness can be caused by less important situations. That happens, right? Like personality conflicts. Those are going to happen. Um, Differing preferences that aren't sin, but they're just different preferences. Uh, A misjudgment of another person's motives. Did they mean, well, maybe you should ask them <laughs> instead of assuming. Um, lack of communication. <laughs> Those don't require forgiveness as much as they require you to be more mature in me and to be more understanding of where other people are coming from and to ask questions. However, there are plenty of stories that involve true heartbreak, victimization, um, downright cruelty of humanity to humanity. They're all around us, and some of you I know have experienced it. Forgiveness in those stories can only come from God because it takes a God-sized forgiveness. And it's in stories like these that the myths that are generated about forgiveness can handicap us. They can confuse us. They can keep us from going and performing what it is God wants us to do, which is to forgive. And they can keep us from experiencing victory through Jesus Christ. So the myth today is forgiveness means you have to forget. How are you guys doing with that? I mean, if you do, you don't have to. I already did it. If you do a Google search on that, you will not believe the stuff that will come up on this. There are a lot of people in the church and outside the church who believe that this is true. It means to forget. You know, unfortunately, I don't have a a flashlight with a memory erasing. Just look into the flash, everybody. Would you just? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't got one of those uh, that makes all of our memories erase and causes the memory of an unpleasant event to go away. I I turned it off so that none of you will forget this message, so it's good. 
memories are real, aren't they? They keep you awake at night. They keep you going over and over and over and over. Especially when memories are wrapped up in hurt. Memories may always be there. God doesn't promise to take them away. However, there's this wonderful opportunity for each of us as followers of Jesus Christ to operate in a Christ-like lifestyle where we say something like, you know, I have, we admit, I have not been able to forget. The, the evidences of this wrong are continually before me almost every day. I remember it like it was yesterday. And yet by God's grace, I am able, every time I remember it, to forgive. We need to understand that forgiveness is about trusting God. It's not about trusting yourself. It's not about trusting the court systems. It's not even about trusting the offender's apology. God is the ultimate, and He is the perfect judge, and He has given the right to judge to His Son, Jesus Christ. John 5.22, the Father judges no one, but He has given all judgment to His Son. That's why Jesus sits at what hand of God? The right hand, the judging hand of God. And that's why Jesus is going to come back in the book of Revelation and judge this planet. It's glorious for those who know Him. It's not glorious for the planet. Jesus knows how to settle disputes better than we know how to settle disputes. After all, He's the only one who is able to deal with our sin and sinners and what we do to each other, not us. And let's not forget how He has already perfectly dealt with our sinful actions towards a holy God. Romans 5, 1 to 2, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Why? It's through Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Are we rejoicing? Another thing people say is, I will forgive that person when they come and ask me for it. I'm not going, I'm not, not going to go tell them I forgive them. I mean, come on. And I'm not going to forgive them until they start doing things that deserve my forgiveness. If you will remember back to some of the passages we just went over, we're commanded to forgive whether or not the person asks for it or not. Victory in this area is going to come from obedience to God, not a dependence on other people's actions because don't have any expectations there. Grace is giving something to someone when they don't deserve it. That's grace. Romans 5, 6, and 9. While we were still weak, unable, crippled. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For no one will scarcely die for a righteous person. I mean, that's like going out on a limb there. Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare to even die. 
But God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Therefore, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? So let's bring these two ideas of forgiving and forgetting together. What the Bible says regarding biblical forgiveness is actually impossible. In our natural state, left to our own power, strength, and devices, we want to hold on to unforgiveness. We really do. We want to hang on to bitterness and anger towards whoever the offender is because on some level, it makes us feel like we're in control. We want that person to hurt what? Like they hurt us. And we simply can't change those feelings on our own by going off into a quiet place and meditating by whatever else someone might tell you to do. However, the good news is that we have a God and a Father who makes the impossible possible. Isn't that awesome? A virgin conceiving the Savior of the world. The angel says to Mary in Luke 1.37 after he tells her about this amazing, immaculate conception, for nothing will be impossible with God. We have a God who makes the impossible possible. Entrance of a human being into the kingdom of God. The disciples said, who can get in? And Jesus says in Matthew 19, 26, with man this is impossible. Knock yourself out, not going to get there. But with God, all things are possible. The birth of a Savior, our salvation. And we have a God who makes the impossible possible, a 180-degree change in our character where we are content in every and every situation, no matter what happens. Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's what Paul says about being content. And there are many myths and hang-ups about forgiveness. I get it. I have them. But there's only one truth we have to always come back to. The truth is that bitterness, an unforgiving spirit, anger are a heavy and miserable load to carry around. They will drag you down. Victory in the area of forgiveness can only be found in Jesus Christ. 1 John 5.5, who is it that overcomes the world? except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God, and God can do the impossible. Okay, forgiveness without Christ is impossible. Forgetting wrongs is also impossible. The phrase thrown around so piously today is forgive and forget. It just kind of rolls off the tongue, right? It kind of puts everything, yeah, just forgive and forget. Easy, easy answer. Well, thanks, Pete. That's what, that's what I needed to hear. 
It's a phrase that's not found in the Bible. Do the word search. You're not going to find it. Instead, what we find in the Bible are countless verses commanding us to forgive one another. Uh, The offender may not desire our forgiveness. The defender may not deserve our forgiveness, and they may never change. But that doesn't negate God's desire that you and I, His children, possess a forgiving spirit always. Matthew 5, 44 and 45, Jesus says, But I say to you, love your enemies, even your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be, show that you are sons of the Father who is in heaven. Ideally, you want the offender to what? Seek reconciliation. You want to move on with them. But what if they don't? The one who has been wronged can still make the righteous decision, the right choice, even if they don't, to forgive, but not to forget. We can't selectively delete events from our memory. Don't you wish you could? You're going throughout the day and you hear a song or somebody says something or you see something happen and you go, I'd almost forgotten that. (laughs) Thanks for bringing it up. The Bible states that God will remember our sins no more, right? It does state that. It's uh, one of those places is Hebrews 8.12, and it's actually a quote from the Old Testament. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Awesome. But isn't God still all-knowing? Do you think God really selectively deletes from his memory? Is that even possible for the magnificent, awesome, holy God who sustains the entire universe? God knows that you and I have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. He knows that, even after our salvation. But having been forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ, having been washed in His blood, cleansed by His blood, having Jesus Christ as an advocate sitting at the right hand of God for me, I am positionally justified. And justified means you're declared righteous. That God actually looks at me and declares me righteous, not by any works that I have done, but because God is satisfied with Christ's perfect sacrifice every time He looks at me. It's why He can offer me forgiveness when I repent, because I can actually come into the presence of God and confess my sins. Heaven is ours. Our sin account is paid in full. If we belong to God through faith in Christ, God no longer condemns us for our sins anymore. Romans 8, 1 to 4, Thou there is therefore no condemnation, nothing, nada, for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by our flesh, could not do by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Jesus Christ, the God-man, born of a virgin, and for sin, He condemns sin to flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law 
perfect sacrifice might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh anymore, but according to the Spirit. So in that sense, yeah, God forgives and forgets. If by forgive and forget you mean something like, I choose to forgive the offenders in my life for the sake of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to move on in my life in Christ because of that. I think that would be wise. I think that's a godly course to travel. We must not allow roots of bitterness to spring up in our hearts because they hinder each of us from spreading the good news. Hebrews says it so clearly, Hebrews 12, 12 to 15. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone. That's going to involve a lot of forgiveness both ways. And for holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. These are ours. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. But, however, if you mean by forgive and forget, I'm going to act like the sin and the infraction never occurred. I'm going to pretend I don't remember it. Oh, I do. I'm just going to pretend I don't. No, 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 no. Go away. Then you're going to run into some trouble. What forgiveness does involve is not holding that sin against that person any longer. For instance, the very expression to forgive throughout the whole Old Testament means that you are forgiving whatever the debt was. Like when someone owed you money, like $10,000, and you said, I forgive you, guess what? You don't get the $10,000. Why? Because you said, I forgive you. Cancels the debt, whatever it was. Even a wrong, I forgive you. That's the biblical definition that we all struggle with. It's no longer owed because you said, I forgive you. I will never ask you for this again. I'm not going to push it or hold it in your face every time we meet. Hey, you remember? I'm not going to drag you through the mud as I talk to my friends about you and bring it up. I'm not going to make you a prayer request at all the prayer studies and meetings that we have with other people. It's done if you've offered forgiveness. But note that forgiveness is different than trust, right? Um, it is wise quite often to take whatever precautions are needed. Uh, some people prove themselves to be untrustworthy. And you've got to act accordingly. Um, sometimes the actual dynamics of the relationship are going to have to change. 
Remember David? There were dire consequences. In Proverbs 22, 3, we get this great wisdom. The prudent sees danger, okay, this person isn't to be trusted, and hides himself. I'm, I'm not going to hang out with this individual. It always ends bad. But the simple person, what are the, you, you want to be a simple person? Is that what you, what you want to be characterized by? Yeah, they're really nice, but they're so simple. Yeah, I, I don't want that. The simple just goes on and suffers for it. Those are the people who you shouldn't, but you could say, I told you so. If you go there, this is what's going to happen, and you went and did it. But I forgive you. In Matthew 10, 16, Jesus told his followers to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. But he never for a moment trusted those who crucified him and nailed him to a cross. Yet, as he hung on that cross, what did he say about them? Father, forgive them. Whoa. Remember Daniel's prayer last year? We went through the book of Daniel, and he prayed on behalf of the entire nation of Israel. In Daniel 9.9, he said, To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him. Mercy. We all need it. Our world desperately needs it, and it can only be experienced, mercy and grace, from God. And he has called you and I his children. Our Father has called us to put on display his mercy and his forgiveness. He's called us to share the gospel message of repentance and forgiveness through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. This is really an amazing privilege he's left you and I as his kids. And we can't neglect it. Is it hard? Yes. Is God more than able? Oh, yes. Would you rise with me? We're going to worship our holy, forgiving Father with our voices that come from hearts, expressing the love that we have. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bow before you before we lift our heads and our voices to you. And Lord, we are convicted and challenged and encouraged every time we open and read your words together throughout the week, uh, corporately on Sunday morning. And Lord, sometimes we're, we're so challenged because it's, it's happening right now. And by your grace and through the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray that we can sing to you this morning with clear consciences because of what we have forgiven in others, uh, that we have asked for forgiveness from others, or that we are covenanting with you right now that we are going to do and take care of it. We offer you this praise in the name of Jesus who makes it even possible. Amen.